proudly presents. everybody and welcome back to another trope stormers storm in a tea break with your hosts myself jim carlberg and as ever the genial and knowledgeable researcher of the podcast mr chris g how are you doing young man ah i'm good sir i'm good thanks for that uh, most marvelous of introductions all well with you yeah yeah not too bad think back in the swing of things back at work i'm i'm uh, trying to be a man of letters i'm undertaking some study as well uh mm. you're also Doing rather well, sir. Oh, I've become a, a homo. No, no yeah. Um, yeah, bought my first house, so I'm doing big grown-up adult things, um, or at least trying to. Yeah, so we're not homophobic on this podcast. We're not. We're not afraid of our no. houses. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well done. Well done. Yeah, not an easy, not an easy feat. Uh, but talking of feats, we're we're focusing on the feat of this fine podcast that we've crafted together. And we're taking mm-hmm. a listener on another fabulous journey through the world of tropes. Indeed. I mean, hot on the heels of our last uh, and 10th proper trope storm, proper pod, uh, where we dissected the uh, one of a wonderfully high-kicking, splits-punching time cop. I mean, how do you follow that? You follow it with a storm and a tea break about origins, sir. That's what mm. you do. So if you haven't... So done... Origins is banded around a lot. Sorry to interrupt you, sir. I feel like origins is something that's been banded around a lot. It's kind of come to the fore a bit more. The sort of the phrase origin story has sort of slipped into sort of common everyday parlance. It's more sort of recognised than perhaps it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, maybe that's got, perhaps got something to do with the sort of wealth and breadth of content that's out there, that, that the, these stories tend to repeat and these, these, this style of finding the origin of, of something of a set of characters or a, a key relationship between a set of characters is something that's just become that much, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of become saturated by it, that it's, it's, it's affected the language and the way we use it. And we talk about the, the origin story a lot more, but I mean, it's, it's not just a modern phenomenon, is it? I mean, pretty much every religion is based on an origin story, explaining the world and the universe around us in simpler times when our grasp of science and the like probably wasn't uh, up to snuff. Yeah, and it's, it's gospel, so it's all true. Obviously, the yeah. good book, and, and other good books are available from uh, other religious denominations. Yeah, if, I mean, if you think about the, the idea of the, uh, the, the, the origin story in terms of movies, because we are a movie TV podcast, we will allude to other different things as well. I mean, what sort of, um, one, one big thing that springs to mind when you think about the origin story is the, the, the superhero, right? Hmm. The, yeah. the, 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 how they come to be, what their motivations are, what helps them choose the, the, the hero's path or, um, you know, what, how, how they, they come to terms with newfound powers or abilities, generally speaking. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know, it's the Peter Parker getting bitten by a radioactive spider. It's uh, Bruce Willis's parents getting, sh- Bruce Willis? Bruce Wayne. <laughs> parents getting shot outside a movie theatre. It's, uh, what's Superman's real name? Uh, well, he's, he's, he's human. He's, not, he's quite Ken. It's Kal-El. What's his, his, his Kal-El, that's it. That's it, getting ejected from his Krypton homeworld whilst it's about to explode. Yeah, it's for Genesis. It's a sort of, it's for where this all started from. Why, why, why bother? I mean, if you've got a character that's uh, just got superpowers, 
why is it so important that we, we find out what they're you, you can still tell a story without these sorts of things surely well i guess in a way it's kind of because humans you know we, we we love a complete narrative don't we like we're curious in our nature and we want we want to be able to relate to others so if you've got these protagonists with fantastical powers you kind of you want to become you want to buy into it because you want to know how that came to be because it's it's extraordinary you know it's not par for the course these people are in some way shape or form special and you want to know what made them special and maybe in a way it would help you to sort of see special qualities in yourself not you know being able to swing webs or defy gravity or outrun a speeding train or whatever but you know it's all relative yeah so i guess um if we take Superman, because he is the original superhero, when those original stories started out, I've not read Superman number one. I've seen it in a glass case. I went to, to, to Hollywood and saw it, and it was all like laser beams crisscrossing it, um, protecting Did you it. go to Hollywood just for that? No. <laughs> or well, were you there on other business? I am, I am a nerd, but I'm not that like god tier nerd, nerd that is. You're not comic book guy from The Simpsons? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, apologies to the symptoms there. Yeah, it, it was one, it was one of those things where I was just kind of I was at the Warner Brothers lot, and because they have are the franchise that own all the DC properties, they had all the all the, the kit there, a Batmobile, several Batmobiles, and um, Superman number one. Yeah, Action Comics as it was before it was called. Wow, uh, was it the original '80s Michael Keaton Batmobile there? There was, uh, yeah, there was. There was the original Keaton Batmobile. There was the Tumbler um, from the the Nolan films, uh, and then the Uber Camp one. Uh, Camp ones from the Joel Schumacher, uh, Batman and Robin. You know, they probably just stuck nipples on the side of it or something. Just, just <laughs> if if you didn't get to bat nipples, I would have got there eventually. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I cut you off early at the pass. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean that that was it. It was just a. It's interesting because it, clearly, I think having looked at a couple of panels on it or seen once I've, I'd, I'd seen the actual thing itself, having seen a couple of panels, it's just focusing on telling the story of the powers, and I think the the, the kind of the Superman mythos and the whole idea of Kal-El was something that came in what they call the, the Silver Age of comics, where um, these stories were expanded upon and you're heading into the 50s and 60s now rather than the 30s and 40s. And so your universe building and you're starting to, to people are starting to ask questions. Well, what, what is this guy's deal? Why is he such a, a, a powerful person? It's a really interesting concept, but what is, what is the deal? What is his motivation? What is the, his reason for cho choosing this sort of path? Because, uh, you know, lots of things recently, they've got the boys out at the minute and you've got things like uh, Brightburn, which I don't know if you're aware of that. It's uh, like yep. a kind of, uh, these all these things that explore what if a Superman type character, you know, didn't choose the hero's path or be, chose to use his powers. You know, if he could crush somebody's head uh, on a whim, <laughs> why, why wouldn't he do it? You know, you know, Superman, Superman, how strong he was, he'd be about four years old. He'd probably grab someone by the, the wrist, break it off in his hands. And, uh, you know, at four years old, you're quite selfish, aren't you? I mean, how, his, his, his upbringing must have been a nightmare as a toddler. You know, you know what kids are like. <laughs> they got just oh. flinging themselves around. You imagine getting your teddy flung, flung at him by Superman. It would have been an absolute nightmare. No, no wonder Ma and Pa Kent, you know, Pa Kent died of a heart condition. <laughs> so, I mean, how, do you, how did they even keep that under wraps? Like, this kid, it surely would have been pretty obvious and, you know, for a long time this kid wasn't, wasn't the norm to everybody around, like... Kids don't have the uh, the awareness to sort of realise that they shouldn't use their superpowers. You know, kid get you know little baby Clark Kent, you know, gets pissed off and uses his laser beam eyes to fricassee the local cat. You know, someone's going to notice. Yeah, it goes all Jack Jack on him. I think that's why like the Incredibles did that. Then they kind of explored the 
the idea of what a, a superpowered baby would be like and aka an absolute nightmare um mm. so With yeah clarity ensuing indeed that poor ra- that poor raccoon although obviously superman is the, the 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 prime example but if we look at kind of later media that, that that's come along a lot of um superhero origins have been adapted to film and have been uh, shown multiple multiple times i know you said uh, as far as i'm aware bruce willis's parents are fine um but i'm, I'm fairly certain poor old master wayne his i, I tell you what I, I i cannot handle another bruce wayne parent shooting uh I've got <laughs> ptsd watching it myself um but he that is the the other big superhero origin tends to be not just the fact that you've how you've got your powers um or you know radioactive spider uh iron man gets shut in a cave and has to use his ingenuity and genius to escape but also you know your motivations for choosing what you what you you choose to do and why you you, you, you effectively batman takes it or bruce wayne decides to ditch the he loses bruce wayne as a child becomes the the, the batman persona almost full time with with his his character his, his bruce wayne character being the mask really um so it, it works in two ways, I think, doesn't it? Is what 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 is the motivation behind that sort of thing? But also at the same time, how how can they use these these fantastical powers that they often have, or gadgets, or tech? Hmm. Well, it's kind of uh, it's it's like the the classic hero's journey, isn't it? Which is kind of split into sort of three parts. And uh, in my research, it turned out that a man named Joseph Campbell came up with this in uh, 1949. And it's quite it's pretty simple, but it's you know the departure. So they kind of go into exile or they go on a journey of some sort or they somehow sort of end up on their own in a place of solace. And then they go through a kind of, well, it's called the initiation, but I guess it's almost like uh, the chrysalis stage where the caterpillar has sort of built its cocoon and it's it's metamorphosizing into something more. And then you've got the final chapter of it, which is the return, which is when they come back and they're all like superheroes-y or badass-y or super evil villains-y or... You know, it's a very simplistic sort of tripartite structure, but if you sort of think about it, that's Luke Skywalker and Rey in the Star Wars films. That's uh, Bruce Wayne in Batman, especially the expanded Christopher Nolan ones where you find out more about how he came to be. It's pretty much, yeah, it's the playbook for all sort of origin stories. I mean, even if you want to go biblical, like Christ sort of disappeared for a while and came back totally badass. He was the Batman of his time. Yeah, just disappeared for 10 years, unaccounted for in the Bible, and suddenly he's, you know, super kick-ass. Power to resurrect himself. Useful one, that. It's next level. Yeah, you're dead on there. And I think you you picked up on the Nolan Batmans. I think this seems to be a a bit of a trait with the kind of... We're almost sort of post-origin story in the the modern sense, in the fact that it's become like a, a sort of dead horse trope to an extent that often new films will try and do something different with it because we've had several Spider-Man films where we've seen the... The origins of Peter Parker being bitten by, you know, they just they just don't seem to be able to get Spider-Man films right, do they? I kind of feel like they just keep churning out new franchise editions of it, and no one's ever really that happy with them. Well, it's interesting that the, the newest ones kind of they dodge that, and it's the same with the the Hulk movie from two thousand eight. The ones that the ones that the, the the Marvel Marvel tend to understand their stories a little bit better and understand the fact that most people know the kind of Jekyll and Hyde idea behind the Hulk. So. They start their movie without an origin. They just, you know, it's accepted that this guy's on the run and we know the reasons for that. And the drama and the tension comes from, I mean, it's a pretty average movie, but it's the drama and the tension. It has a really promising start where it opens in, he's on the run in, in South America. Uh, and 
we know that we're building to this point where this guy will get cornered to the point where he's going to react. And when he does, that's when we see that the Hulk come out. And as an audience, I think that's all we need to, all we need to know. We know the Jekyll and Hyde story as a, as a kind of origin of that character. So it starts with that point. The most recent Spider-Man ones, they kind of, they brought him in through the other movies. So it was, it was kind of a bit tacked on, but it kind of, I don't know, it was kind of a weird one. I don't know, I don't know whether it works or not. 100%, but they, they kind of knew, I think, that we don't, people don't want to see the repeated origin story again. It's like with the Wolverine films as well. Uh, Logan came out fairly recently and set it years into the future, where it was an old man. It's based on the old man Logan of the comics. Um, and, they, you know, they thought they did away with that. They were like, we've seen Wolverine getting juiced up and his skeleton injected with... Mm, uh, adamantium. Adam, yeah, adamantium over, over and over again. And, and people are kind of tired of that. And I think that's kind of victim of studios wanting to replicate formulas and, and successful formulas and kind of taking the wrong lessons from, from what works in, in films that are successful. Because, um, mm. yeah, on the, a, those X-Men films are just terrible. Mm. Have you seen, um, we, we touched on Spider-Man. Is it, have you seen the Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, I think it's called? The one that's all animated. The Spider-Verse. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. If we're going to give it one recommendation on this podcast, it's go watch that because it is phenomenal. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a good case of not treating, uh, most people who watch that are going to be Marvel fans, but there's introductions to the characters without dwelling too much on the, 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 stodgy. Stodgy, the stodgy origin stories that take up 45 to 50 minutes of the film. Mm. A lot of the time, and when when Toby Maguire did it first time round, and he, you know he was there appearing with his his, his six pack and fighting a forty year old, uh, twenty eighteen year old in uh, in high school, um, mm. that watching that scene back, just watching adults fight in a in high school, <laughs> is is pretty crazy. But, I think yeah. like enough time had passed at that point, and there hadn't been a Spider Man film of note. But when the the Toby Maguires, which was like the first reboot sort of style ones, if you will, came along. It had been long enough that they could sort of, they probably felt they were doing justice to it by, by filming it. But you're right in that I think the whole origin thing has become a bit saturated in the sort of current market with a lot of it being used. And it's, yeah, it's interesting that people have found new ways to sort of explore it, like you say, with Logan and with other things like that. But uh, yeah, the last thing anyone needs is another geeky kid getting bitten by a radioactive spider sequence. So we've kind of teased about examples that we kind of do and don't like there are there any any examples that you you really you really would like uh to to, to talk about and, and praise because uh, i think i think logan that logan's an interesting one um because it kind of dodges the origin entirely but are there are there any examples of the origin story you think that are done particularly well i mean i did like the christopher nolan exploration of batman um i thought with the sort of the michael keaton one uh, definitely far less so with the Val Kilmer one. And let's not talk back nipples right now. Um, I think they were quite true in a way to the, uh, the comic books, but I thought with Christopher Nolan, it kind of went in a sort of different direction and you got sort of a, a slightly grittier and more sort of imaginative take on it, where it was kind of less, it was still stylized, but it was kind of grittier, more depth and meat and substance. I think the ones that work well kind of established, have something different to say, don't they? They establish a different tone. You, what they explored was, well, what, what would the journey be like for this guy to suddenly be just this kind of entitled heir to a fortune um, who suffers this horrible tragedy? How does he get from just that point to be able to beat criminals to a pulp with his bare hands just without thinking? And also uh, another one which we, we touched on, I think, before the tape was rolling, um, 
linked to that would be the Joker one. I, I personally, I don't know about you, I personally thought that was a fantastic film. I really enjoyed it. I mean, controversial in places. Did they need to use Gary Glitter? Probably not, but it works really well in that scene. Who's the man who put the gang in van, Chris? <laughs> like no, I, just, I thought that was a really interesting portrayal, a really interesting take. It wasn't something I actually knew an awful lot about, so I don't know if it's particularly true to the comic books, if it's faithful to those, or whether they've sort of used artistic license. And I thought the ending um, as well um, was quite interesting, and it kind of made you question whether it actually happened at all in the first place, and if it did happen, did it happen how the Joker or the narrator wants you to believe it happened? There's kind of that grey area where it kind of, it sort of screws with you because it's how much of this is even true or real or even happened. Well, they did, they did some really interesting things with the Joker. I mean, a lot of it's based on a comic book called The Killing Joke, uh, which is a lot of people say is either really controversial or really definitive origin story of the Joker in that he was a stand-up comedian um, but he remember he, he, his his memory is unreliable, and he he, he remembers it one way or, or or another at different points. And that actually translated into the Dark Knight, um, where you saw Heath Ledger, who I think has has had a big legacy on th that film that you just mentioned, um, that the, the the creation of that particular version of the character. He actually creates different origin stories that you don't know which one to really go with. Is that um, kind of the, uh, do you want to know how I got these scars sort of monologues that he does? Absolutely, yeah, before the kind of why so serious type of thing. And it's, that is directly from, uh, as, as an inspiration from the, 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 the killing joke, that idea that he, these versions of events can't be trusted. And like, like you say with Joker, they expanded that out to the whole film to the point where, you know, he's imagining characters and characters that you, you, you don't know. Not that my dad picked up on that at all. Brian was, was I had to explain <laughs> my, my, we, no. went to, we went to see the we went to see that film uh promising my mother we were going to go see downton abbey the movie you um, made your mum sit through joker we sat in for a joker uh <laughs> and then by the end of it she was explaining the plot twists to me <laughs> fantastic oh that's what a lovely day out for the carlbergs eh it was yeah i mean uh yeah downton abbey it ain't that film but uh yeah a good time was had by all oh. and, and yeah like 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 i say it's uh it's one of those those films that the the Dark Knight that explores those kinds of origins and does something different with these well-established characters, which I think a lot of the successful superhero movies and the ones that focus on origins a little bit less but do it in a different way, are, that's what I read. One of the reasons why they're a, a, a big success. Hmm. So, if I was to throw a question uh, back at you, what uh, origin stories? I'm going to do a two-part uh, question here. Uh, what origin stories have impressed you? And what origin stories would you like to be created that don't exist yet? Well, I think um, there was a really there's a there was a great film out called uh, Snowpiercer uh, that was out fairly recently, um, and it was based on a, again based on a comic book. Um, but it's it's kind of thinking about how I like I like these these how these worlds come together because sometimes you have these post apocalyptic things like zombies and things like that where the world's just this desolate desert, and it's like well how how have we got to this point? It's all a bit um, Mad Max. Yeah, definitely. So, like, explore. Uh, you know, a Mad Max origin might be might be quite an interesting one to to think about because we we always meet Mad Max or Max uh, further down the line when all the shit's kicked off. Yeah, exactly. And um, Snow Snowpiercer is one of these films where it's set on a train. Society is basically on this train where the, the, there's a rebellion with the rear carriages with the the sort of upper class. I think you mentioned this. Well. I think you mentioned this before on this pod. Actually, I just have haven't got around really? to watching it. I think yeah. you have. Yeah, this sounds familiar. It's got John Hurt in it, Chris Evans and um, Ed Harris. In the it well. Chris Evans. 
uh, yeah, not not Radio Two's Chris Evans, the the America's Ass Captain America. Uh, ah, right. Chris okay, Evans. other Chris Evans. And right. uh, but it's 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 how how do we get to that point? Um, and those sort of worlds, I'm interested. I don't know. I think I don't think they might would be as interesting as the film itself because I think that that kind of has its point. Another one I'd, I'd quite like to see is um, uh, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd has never been um, done justice, really. Mm, good shout. Pardon the pun there. Uh, right. One one that uh, just popped into my mind, actually, was um, I think it'd be quite interesting to know how, and I don't want to focus on any of the existing characters in it, but uh, The Hunger Games, how did society decide that that was the best way to move forwards? Yeah, that's that's a great variation on, on the Snowpiercer, for example. Yeah, I agree, because... Holy shit, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. How did uh, things go so wrong that we basically just got some kind of weird uh, battle royale scenario going on? And I suppose this kind of creates the 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 yearning for the related prequels that people have, because that is one way of, of of telling the origin of things. One one version I think that's really good without actually be, becoming a prequel is the way that they tell um Smeagol's story or, or Gollum's story in the later Lord of the Rings films. Um mm. because it's something less expanded upon in the books, but in the film, they actually create some quite vivid and memorable scenes. Because, I mean, if you try and read uh, Tolkien's one person who was not light on backstory, uh, I'll say that. I like, I, you, like, you, I tried to read the Silmarillion recently, uh, and it was like reading a pretend version of the Bible. Um, and he, he was one of the sort of proto universe builders in sort of fiction, really, on yeah. the sort of scale and scope that's kind of we're more familiar with now. So he creates his own pantheon of gods. You know, Gandalf's basically an angel in all but name. Um, there's, he, there's created, a whole... he created his own language. Yeah, several, several. Um, as a, he was a professor of um, Anglo-Saxon and English history, I think, as, as part of that, which was a big help. Um, but this, the Smeagol, the, the Peter Jackson, the way he, he presents the, the origin of Smeagol, and, and I suppose it gives a bit more backstory to the ring with actually, without actually telling the origins of Sauron and all those, the, the kind of evil characters. It, it really gives a, a good account of, without going into too much backstory of that actually character, what it can do to a, a, a seemingly normal character, the, you know, that power of the ring, the power of the corruption. Because we meet Gollum at a stage where he's, he's already, again, several years down the line and his life's been prolonged by the ring, although he's been twisted into this thing. Um, but then we, we, we get a flashback to see the, the, the origin of, of Gollum and, and this initial a murderous act that he does in, in order to, to 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 get the ring and, and show how it can corrupt things that are quite in, innocent you know he claims it's his birthday present because it's his birthday but uh yeah i think that's one example um there yeah. are some i really really you know have, have had a, a high level of criticism and that often comes with the the, the the prequel to be honest i think you know what i'm talking about uh, I'm I'm not 100 percent certain. Sorry, I uh, I drifted off into my little reverie then because I thought of a I thought of a uh, an origin story I actually really like. Um, okay, no, so, uh, say that first, but I'm just going to leave this clue. You okay. mean he's going to die? Oh Christ! Um, <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I'm going to talk Star Wars, um, and I'm not going back that far. Um, but what I am going to talk about is Rogue One, um, which is definitely one of if not the best of the modern modern star wars the latest ones and it all basically just came as an offshoot of a piece of dialogue from the empire strikes back uh, when they say like many many brave uh, people died trying to get this information and it basically they went well there's a story how did it happen and it's, i think it's phenomenal that film absolutely brilliant like the lead protagonist is a great heroine 
the characters are all really interesting and it doesn't lean too hard on the star wars universe but it just feels like it's like playing lip service it feels like it works as a standalone film i think that's probably one of the, the most original and best origins um and goes some way to repairing the damage done by jar jar Binks. <laughs> yeah there's, gen- there's genuine stakes in that film despite you knowing almost exactly what it goes into and how it pans out in the the first we know you know it goes into the first movie but uh yeah the, the way they do it and that that darth vader scene man Oh man, that 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 is phenomenal. That scene. Um, God, imagine if they like just could remake all the original Star Wars, but just with a little bit more badass CGI. I think we've had this conversation before, and you sent me that really amazing clip of when Darth Vader faces off against uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, but kind of done up a little bit. Yeah, he's taken some sort of uh, some sort of speed or something, Obi Wan, in that one. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit overblown. But yeah, I, know, I hear what you're saying. You know, it's that idea of. Well, they're on about there. There was this big push, wasn't there, after the uh, the Last Jedi came out to to kind of remake. Somebody crowdfunded it, and uh, yeah, that's definitely getting made. Um, you know, somebody's not making off with a, millions of other people's dollars there. But yeah, there, there was there was big backlash to these sorts of things, and that that caused massive problems because of we, you mentioned the Star Wars prequels. There was a fascination about where Darth Vader, how Darth Vader came to be. You know, he is this card carrying to begin with embodiment of evil. You know, jet black armor. Um, all the sort of stereotypical tropes of a villain, sinister voice, um, and he kind of mellows over the, the the course of the the trilogy. In the prequels, I don't know. It's largely accepted that they were a bit of a, a, oh, bit, man, of a, a bit of a disaster, really. There was just a lot of things in play at that point. I think it was uh, George Lucas maybe thinking that he had the technology to finally realise his vision. Being somewhat limited, he basically just made the original three as a pre a prequel set of three. And then we got another set of three, which are <laughs> kind of a sequel set of three. It's, it's not the most original set of storylines. It's almost like if there's a cynical part of me wonders if every X amount of years on a cycle basis, they just churn out another set of three Star Wars movies for a younger generation to just keep the Lucasfilm uh, thing ticking over. I mean, people are open to debate this. Please do. Please message in if you're, if you're a big fan of The Last Jedi. Or I mean, I'm not going to cast too much judgment other than there was a lot of controversy created in that over the idea of what happened with the character of Rey, but also um, with uh, antagonist characters like Snoke. Um, there was the, the idea that he it was it became, he was apparently just Palpatine comes out of nowhere and just, just creates him. Mm. He was um, just a puppet. Yeah, which... I'm not sure that was entirely in the long, long-term thinking to start with. Uh, he also died a bit too easy. Yeah, the old uh, turn the lightsaber on whilst. I mean, come on, we've all. That's like that's like lightsaber 101, isn't it? That's a bit sort of a bit preschool. Yeah, that's a bit like that's a bit Padawan. Don't chop your own dick off. Turn it on when somebody when the enemy's holding it. You know, yeah, you'd do, do that all the time, wouldn't you? You'd be just. I that. mean, do you think you could use a lightsaber to make instant toast? Like, if you had like a block of bread and you could just instant toast using your lightsaber. I mean, that'd be the first thing I'd probably do. Well, and that wouldn't I'm, get old for that wouldn't get old for a while. That's more of a Sith move, I'd say. No, they've got the best branding, man. The dark side has got the best branding. I'm, I'm sorry, but the Jedi branding is a, it's weak. It is what it is. The black shades, the black shoes, the red lightsabers. You know. All apart from like the facial disfigurements and stuff like that, that doesn't really play so well. Well, it's a broad church. <laughs> it's a broad planet, a hidden planet. <laughs> that, in essence, is the origin story, is why we're so fascinated with it. Even when it can, can go wrong, we still, we still yearn to find out more. There's still this big debate about who these people are, what their origins are, and 
And even though it might be really best left untouched, you do get some gems like Rogue One. Uh, you do get a lot of controversial talk like the Ray talk and the Snoke talk in the recent Star Wars uh, movies. And then you also get some fantastic reimaginings like the, um, the Nolan verse Batman and things that Peter Jackson did with things like uh, Smeagol. Um, yeah, weigh in with my Springer's final thought, as it were. There's a, there's a reference for you. Uh, probably doesn't date it very well, has it? Um, showing my age. Yeah, no, I, I think the superhero origins, especially when they sort of deal with difficult topics that characters have had to sort of endure in their pasts, it's kind of a, the relatability that people love and the sort of wanting to seek out the truth of how this came to be. I mean, a lot of superhero stuff is cop- uh, triumphing over adversity. It's like coping mechanisms and ways of sort of getting over things and coming out the other side are better. And I think people love that narrative in and of itself when it's wrapped up in an origin story. You know, there's, there's layers to this onion. And I think it's very pleasing on a quite a simple level to sort of have that narrative fed to you. It's reassuring. Yeah, I, th- I think there is something in that. I mean, I remember watching the first Iron Man movie and, you know, when he's making the different iterations of the suits, and then it culminates about halfway through where he goes back to the Middle East and just takes apart this squad of kind of Al-Qaeda types. Um, mm. Yeah. And it almost gets shot down. When it, when it, yeah, when it's done well, it's just, oh, it, 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 it just blows you away, doesn't it? That, that kind mm. of... Because I think you can sort of identify, I mean, obviously, I, my, my years in the Middle East making robot suits are, are <laughs> long, behind, long behind me. But it's, just, it's about relatability, isn't it? And it's about sort of fragility. And um, you, you, it gives, it builds... It builds in you the, the want to root for these characters and relate to them, and you feel like you've gone on the journey a little bit with them. Yeah, it's I think that's what the essence of it, isn't it? What they're going, what they're going for, with the successful ones. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a, a key part of the uh, the superhero mythos and and mythology uh, in general. Genesis, creation, uh, and countless DVD box sets and movies that we may well yet focus upon. Uh, so we do have we do have a main podcast, don't we, Chris? We do indeed. This is just the uh, the little storm in a tea break nugget, but uh, is the partner to our main headline act, which is uh, the Trope Stormers podcast. And we also have a father podcast, which is Half Life of Brian, which is the uh, the diaries of your father, as interviewed by yourself. So we delve into modern history as well as um, tropes and TV and film here, as well as uh, philosophy and literature. It would seem today mm-hmm. we've been quite a highbrow version. Uh, don't get too used to that, folks. <laughs> don't worry we'll be dumbing down soon enough um if you uh if you have any thoughts comments on everything we've been discussing we'd love to hear from you if you if we've made any mistakes we'd similarly love to hear from you uh we're on the social medias at trope stormers and we also if you want to write to us it's tropestormers at gmail.com superb well we're on to uh, a fantastic edition of our main podcast next would you like to reveal what we're going to be looking at I don't know. Do we do we want to reveal? I know you're really excited about this one. You're so excited you've already watched it. I mean, I've seen it too, but I mean, I haven't seen it that recently. Well, I'll just leave you with this, dear listener. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hopefully you might get something out of that. Well, that leaves us with just to say, as we always say here on Trope Stormers. Let's not talk back nipples right now. It's got to be the Jar Jar Binks one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the Jar Jar. Cool. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye for now.
You Hello, everyone. You recorded. Sorry. I was just double checking that you were. Ah, sorry. You just you got yourself all juiced up, didn't you? I had. I was. I was was there like uh, eight mile, pumping myself up, ready to go. I might have to put that on as well. Add on at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Interrupting bastards.